0: Welcome to the Barry Centrals. On today's show, we preview the week one matchup against the 49ers and much, much more. A-Dub, game week, baby. I'm excited, man. All this all-season talk, draft talk, senior bowl talk, preseason games, training camp. Brother, we are finally here. Week one is on the horizon, baby.
1: Man, I'm excited, friends. I was just happy to have football back. I, I don't really know what to expect. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> and I, <have> been,
0: <laughs> we, we've been talking a lot about this team and what we think they're going to do. But, hey, now we finally get to see them on that grass at Soldier Field. Speaking of grass, shout-out to Ibraflus, man, because my man Eberfluss was like, nah, y'all going to put in a specific turf. We're changing this shit up. I'm sick and tired of talking about the turf around here. <laughs> making shit happen, bro. He making shit happen, man. He's changing the culture in the field at Soldier Field, baby.
1: I love that about Iba man, giving us no excuses to go out there and just play football. Shit, not even that. I think he's just sick and tired of
0: the surface being the way it is. I mean, you know, I I like the fact that he's coming in here and saying, look, we can't be playing on this fucked-up-ass field. Salute to him.
1: Absolutely, man. Glad that's done and taken care of.
0: Well, according to him, he says something that's been planned for some time. And the surface that he wants them to play on, he said it's a nice surface. So not only is this man coming in here and changing the, the culture, man, he coming in here now, he an expert on fucking playing surfaces. I see you, <laughs> I see you sir.
1: Hey, you got to give it to my man.
0: Well, I think what it was is that he wants them to have the same turf that he used in his last place. So I'm not going to speak on that team.
1: Right.
0: Their practice surface, I think, is the one that he wants them to kind of have there Soldier Field. And he said it does well with the cold weather. You know what I mean? That's what's up. But I wonder what Cairo Santos is gonna think about the new turf because you know Cairo he he been a little he been he been talking that shit about that playing surface. He's like, look, this shit's been awful. So <laughs> if, if Cairo likes it, then I think we're in good shape.
1: I just don't want to see no missed field goals. <laughs> so
0: hey, don't even speak that shit. Don't even talk about that. <laughs> Everybody, audience, if, if Cairo happens to miss a field goal on Sunday, y'all know who to blame. We don't talk about that, A-Dub.
1: Hey, look, friends, you and I saw the preseason game. that shot the hell out of both of us and we saw him miss one. So I-, I hate to go that route, but. Listen,
0: I didn't even see that he missed one, personally. I didn't see it. So I don't know if it happened or
1: not. <laughs> I hear you.
0: I see shit, man.
1: <laughs> I got
0: you. <laughs> Let's get into the show, because, audience, we got a lot to unpack before we even get to previewing the 49ers. A-Dub, I know you saw this. We've got to talk about it. The Arlington Heights News. So we talked about on previous episodes how the Arlington Heights, basically the the homeowners or the residents of Arlington Heights, a few of them have kind of got together, and they kind of got a little petition going on. And and a lot of them are saying, hey, they don't have a problem with the Bears' plans to potentially build, you know, there in Arlington, but they don't want to pay for it. Right. And so – now we see that they got the required signatures for that. But then also, we also see that the Bears have put up their little pretty rendering. What everything's going to look like. Say, so, hey, Doug, talk to me, man. What you thinking about this situation? Because it seems like it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that the Bears are going out there to Arlington.
1: And the way, they, the mindset they have of how they want this to look, Chris, it kind of looks beautiful, man. <laughs> like with the parking, of course, the facilities there. Everything you know, um, uh, from how, what you can do afterwards, not just the game, it's like Bears already got their mind made up on how they want this thing to play out,
0: brother. It ain't gonna just be a stadium, as we mentioned before, right? It's gonna be a whole little entertainment complex, and that's <laughs> that's the thing. Because yeah. you know what, Ada, you and I, we went out last season to the Vegas stadium, um, where the Raiders play, and, right. and that's a beautiful stadium, but you saw how off the strip it was, and there's nothing really around the stadium for you to do, right? Correct. Same thing with SoFi. So what the Bears are trying to do is like, look, we don't want to just have a dope-ass stadium. We want to have a whole vibe within the area where the stadium is. Because think about it like this, A-Dub. There's people that may not even be able to afford to go to those games at Arlington. They may just go post up and kick it over to the entertainment complex. Right. And so they're that's going to give them, them an opportunity. And also for the Bears, Shh, boy, they're going to be checking into cash, baby.
1: Man, cash cow right there, friends. And what they trying to do is is – is um, take the experience to the next level. And nothing wrong with that, but that's going to bring a lot of money. So now
0: the Bears have said, I want to make sure that the audience does know this part. They've said that they're going to build the stadium on their own dime. Right. Hold on. but Here's the part where the taxpayers are going to be necessary. They want the taxpayers, the Bears, want the taxpayers to help with certain aspects of the, the outer perimeters, yeah, if you will, of the area. You know what I mean? Yep. So while they're not seeking any public funding for the structure itself, there's a lot of things outside of that structure where the Bears are like, yeah, we wouldn't mind having a couple taxpayer dollars.
1: <laughs> of course, you know, they don't want to let the taxpayers off the hook just that soon. Like, hey, look, we got some other things we want to build out, not just that statement you mentioned earlier. The Bears are going to make a shit ton of money when this thing is all said and done.
0: I kind of feel like the taxpayers shouldn't pay for any part of their project. I mean, bro, they about to get broke off, dude. They like aren't. Right now, the Chicago Bears aren't really getting all the revenue from what happens in Soldier Field. When they break ground on this situation in Arlington Heights and when it's all said and done, brother, they're going to be printing money. So my whole thing is why the taxpayers got to be on the hook for that. I don't think yeah. that's right.
1: Well, you make a good point there, Perez, because you think about all the things they're looking to do with the stadium itself, with the college games and all that stuff, right? But they talked about all these other entertainment things they want to do.
0: But they haven't said how much. They're going to be asking for, but I'm telling you, brother, that number is probably going to be enormous. Because if if we're looking at these renderings and what they're trying to put out there,
1: my goodness, I don't know. It's gonna be a lot. <laughs> and the thing I will say, is it's some rich folks out there on to heist, though. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, it, listen, it, it's some it's some people that got some money out there, and, and for the ones that. Um, that do own homes out there. Hey, it's gonna be tremendous for y'all. Now the traffic may be a little crazy, but right the one thing that the team has promised with this new project that's gonna potentially be coming is the economic impact that it's is gonna have for that region. So, not only is it gonna offer a shit ton of jobs, but the the economy in that area, especially in Arlington Heights, is gonna get a real big time boom. So. I guess if you look at it from both sides of the equation, the Bears may say, well, we're asking for some taxpayer dollars because it's helping you and your area out. But then the taxpayers can also say, but at the same time, y'all billionaires. <laughs>
1: we we'll be talking. Right. About. Exactly. Yeah. It still has an impact on, on, on taxpayers.
0: Yeah. I mean, I see it from both sides. I honestly hope that the Bears do this without asking for too much from the taxpayers.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, just because I just I always kind of feel some kind of way when I have billionaires asking me to help them build something where they're going to make even
1: more money. It's like, come on now. <laughs> <are we> <laughs> right, because you get no piece of that change right there Praise the money they're going to make. No, hell no.
0: <laughs> I mean, okay, let, let's just think about this part. The Bears with Soldier Field. Now, what I tell your audience before? That lease expires in 2033. The taxpayers of the city of Chicago are still on the hook for $400 million of the $606 million stadium renovation that was done in 2033. 20- in 2003 so now you think about that and that's why i'm making the comments that i'm making about how i feel taxpayers should not be on the hook because taxpayers here in the city of chicago are still on the hook for the renovations that were done on soldier field and the bears about the peace out that does hurt
1: right there and it does suck for taxpayers
0: yeah because we're gonna still be paying on that yeah yeah that's like one of them damn credit cards with them APR twenty five percent. You pay a minimal <laughs> payments. payment, you you were never paying that thing down. Never paying
1: that. Right, pay. that's damn what life's how
0: to get that out the way, man. Bruh. that's like them student loans. Man, we gotta, we gotta, we, we got the bad end of the stick on that one here, <laughs> with with that renovation. I swear to God. So at least the folks in Arlington Heights they smart because they put that petition around. They like, uh, 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 not so fast, not so fast. We need to sit down to talk about this. And I do know that there is going to be a meeting there in Arlington Heights. So they're going to sit down with the residents and try to, you know, figure it out. I'm sure they're going to talk to them about their plans and and things of that nature. But I'm just hoping that they don't get stuck with the bill, like the city of Chicago did.
1: Yeah. Taxpayers are being smart out there in Arlington. So they're doing the right thing by going about the right way for They see what's happening over there. What's going on with Chicago. Yes, sir. Well, listen, man,
0: let's start talking about some football. I'm sure the audience is like, listen, we get it. Arlington Heights. Soldier Field, whatever. Y'all want to hear us talk about this team. So here we go. One of the things that I was really kind of like pissed off about in the past with this team, A-Dub, was the fact that we had those weekly captains. I'm old school, man, when it comes to my football team. I like the fact that my captain is the same from week one all the way through week fucking 17. We're now week 18. Now, Matt Eberflus, who comes in here, who gets it, has now instituted Season-long captains. So now, the team took a vote. We got Justin Fields, Roquan, Cody Whitehair, and Robert Quinn, who are our captains. And they say for week one, David Montgomery is going to be the honorary captain.
1: I feel pretty good, man. Roquan has been a leader anyway Perez. The players look up to him. They love him. Robert Quinn, we saw this guy lead by example when he did last season. And your boy, Justin Fields, man, is on his way up. And <laughs> so it's like, hey, I feel pretty good about that. The only thing I looked at differently was like, Cody, White here? Okay, good for you too.
0: Yeah, I thought it said a lot for Justin. Second year player, obviously has gained a shit ton of respect from people in that locker room. They've seen the work that he's been putting in. So yep. for me, I have no issue with any of the four. I thought David Montgomery would have been another fitting person, but I think that it was awesome that he's going to be the honorary captain for week one. But the point that I was making earlier, audience, is the fact that I've li- I like the consistency that you have the same four guys each week that are the captains that are leaders of this ball club. And I thought having a guy like Roquan Smith, a guy like Robert Quinn, who AW you hit it right on the head. He leads by example. He's not going to be a rah rock guy out there. He ain't going to be running his mouth, but he's going to go out there, he's going to put that effort in. And one of the things that Ryan Pohl said about Robert Quinn that I thought was pretty interesting, A-Dub, he talked about the fact that, Robert Quinn is one of matt Eberflus's type of guys because he said the guy's relentless and he doesn't give up on plays
1: you gotta love that right there he's already have the, his philosophy right there already in the DNA friends so the guy not giving up like that playing the way evil Eberflus wants him to play I mean that's just a joy to hear when your coach give you that kind of praise so I love that
0: no I, I do too I do too now, you talked about Justin Fields a second ago, and, and I do agree with you in the fact that Justin is on his way up. I think he's going to have a breakout season. I love the fact of what I've seen so far. Even though we saw vanilla type of play calling there in, in the preseason, I do like what I see. I, I mean, I do like what we saw, and I also like the fact that I think Luke Getsy does have a really good plan for, for Justin. But one of the things that Darnell Mooney has kind of gone on the record and saying, heading into this week one matchup, AWS, he talked about the fact that those teams that passed on Justin, that Justin's going to make them pay. And now we got the 49ers up. Now, and it seemed like Justin wasn't trying to give the 49ers any bulletin board material. But I wonder how much motivation Justin Fields has going into this matchup, considering that they chose Trey Lance over him.
1: Oh, that's going to always be a thing, Perez. Not just for this season. Any season you play against the 49 that's going to be in your back of mind to give you motivation. So he don't have to talk about it. I just know a lot of players don't want to create any more, you know, drama to the story than what it is. But yeah, it, it's something that definitely sinks in to him. The team,
0: they basically thought the Trey Lance was a
1: better quarterback
0: than yeah. Justin Fields. So from my personal opinion, I'm a very competitive guy. Right. If somebody passes me up, I'm definitely going to feel some kind of way. And to your point, A-Dub, it ain't going to just be about week one, 2022 season. It's going to be every time we play, I'm going to remind you. <laughs> Just like Patrick Mahomes. You know he still is going to hold that against the Bears every time he plays us when we basically passed up on him. You saw when he came to Soldier Field, he counted to 10. I saw
1: that cute shit he (laughs) did. He already had that back in his mind, friends. He wanted to show us up a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know what? But you know what? That's what these guys do. That type of shit fuels these guys. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so a guy like Justin, he ain't going to say anything outwardly about it, but you know that guy's going to be fucking chomping at the bit to get out there on Sunday, bro.
1: Yeah, this is one of those games you circle Perez if you him. Like, yeah, I'm going to circle in this game. I know what happened. Trey Lance, they say you did the real deal. I'm going to show you that I'm better. And you hit the good point about the competitive nature, Perez. That's just competitive nature, man.
0: But it says a lot about Justin that his main focus was like, look, I'm just here to play ball. I'm not worried about the draft. And he's like, look, I'm happy that I'm here in Chicago. So that shows you it got us all in. But I would say this, man. One game is not going to determine either way. If Lance outplays Fields, or obviously, I hope that Fields outplays Lance. It's just it's one game, right? These right. these two guys are going to have very long careers, so they have a long time to tell their story in the NFL. But like I said, for Justin, you can tell he's just trying to keep the, the talk quieted a little bit. But the competitor in him, I know he's he's feeling some kind of way. I know he and <laughs> he should. Yeah, I would. Absolutely I totally would. Totally would. So, before we get into digging into the matchup itself, A-Dub, when we look at this depth chart, the offensive line we thought was going to be kind of solidified here after the final preseason game. We thought that we had kind of five guys. and We were like, okay, these are going to be our five once Lucas Patrick returns to the lineup, or basically when he returns back to practice. So, we, we see now that Lucas Patrick can return back to practice. However, we got some news that Tevin Jenkins was actually behind Lucas Patrick. And Matt Iberflus put out there that, hey, Lucas Patrick can play guard or center. And we remember that because we talked about that earlier in the offseason. So right. right now, when you're looking at that offensive line, it looks like Sam Mustafer is going to be your center because while Lucas Patrick is working his way back from that thumb injury, he can't probably snap the ball as well as he normally would have. So I think until he's able to snap the ball to his full potential, I think they're going to slide him over the guard because I know they're going to want him on the field, any spot they can get him out there.
1: Because for me, Perez, I'm like, how much, I mean, is he ready, right? Even being the right guard, right? Because you talk about the chemistry of that offensive line that they have talked about, Ibra Flues and his pretty much coaching staff have talked about. I thought that Tevin Jenkins was looking pretty sharp, press, with their group. They were looking pretty well together, so – I kind of wonder, man. I I don't know for sure, but I just hope that you know Lucas Patrick is 100, and there's no rust
0: there. Yeah, but he's a veteran, and I think the, the thing is they want to have him out there on the field. I'm okay with it. You know, I just unfortunately that does leave Tevin as the odd man out if yeah. that's the way things go. Now, if 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 Lucas is able to snap the ball, that's fine. But you got to remember, a center you need to have full mobility when you're yes. trying to snap. So if he doesn't have that, then you move him over to guard, you let Sam Mustafer do what he needs to do in the interim. But right now, that's just something that I kind of looked at with, with Tevin because I'm like, all right, Tevin continues to kind of – Tevin has to continue to kind of take his lumps here.
1: Yeah, he got to take one and chain in this case here. But I am worried about Sam Mustapher, Perez. I always just say that.
0: Yeah, well, Sam Mustafer hasn't been too bad. I mean, I've been watching his reps on film and – I feel like, well, he's not my ideal candidate to be in the center. And I kind of – I'm honestly low-term kind of wondering what he might be able to do as a guard. He hasn't been the worst. Now, if this is only like a one-game type of situation, I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? I just hope it's
1: one game. man.
0: <laughs> but when it comes to Lucas Patrick, whatever way you get that guy on the football field, you do it.
1: Fair enough, man. Fair enough. But I just kind of feel bad like you and I were saying about Tevin Jenkins,
0: man. Yeah, listen, I want the best five out there on the field. You know, and, and at, at then this, at this point, Lucas Patrick got to be out there on that field. Um, Braxton Jones, this is a guy that basically fifth-round draft pick just came in here, has impressed everybody on that coaching staff. He's impressed the fan base. And he's going to have a fucking we, – we get into our key matchups.
1: <laughs> He's going to have a
0: fucking matchup outside of this world going up against Bosa in this game. And, and that's the thing, too, where when you look at a Braxton Jones, it says a lot about him that the team and the organization has that faith in him to protect Justin Fields' blind side, especially week one going up against this 49ers fucking team. Obviously, we know that the offensive line for the Bears has had its question marks last season, That offensive line was pretty much a shit show, for lack of better words. This season or, you know, heading into this season, we're kind of looking at things, and we're hopeful that they're going to be able to kind of keep that pressure away from Justin. So when we look at this matchup against the Niners, as I mentioned earlier, they got a very formidable defense. And I mentioned Bolsa here a second ago. So he's one of the guys here on this 49ers team that I'm looking at and I'm like, hey, we got to key in on him because... If we can't stop him, if we can't do anything to neutralize Armstead, then Justin Fields is going to be in for a long afternoon. So when I look at key matchups and players on this 49ers team that I think that we have to really do a really good job of honing in on, it starts with Bosa, and don't forget about Armstead.
1: Hey, look, I got to what you said, Nick Bosa, because we know what this dude was capable of doing, Prez. And that kind of pressure you apply, man. I don't want to see my boy just a Fields with sack after sack off because of Nick Bosa coming on that blind side and see my man, Justin Fields, running for his life, Chris. More the majority of the game, man. That's not a good look, Chris. So we definitely going to need Braxton Jones to definitely step up. I'm not saying he's going to win every battle against Nick Bosa, but he want to make sure he can give him a, a damn a challenge, right? And that's the most important piece right there when it comes out of him.
0: Well, this is my thing. The reason why I say st- both of these guys is while Nick Bosa – is probably one of the best young pass rushers in this league. I also think that Eric Armstead is also a pretty damn good rusher as well. Now, he ain't on, on Bosa's level. No. still very good. And a lot of people overlook him. And that's why when I look at this matchup, it's going to be really key to see how Braxton and Larry Borum do going up against those two guys
1: there. Yeah, that's going to be a key, Chris. They're going to be trying to come off the edge on Larry Boreham, Chris. So he has a lot to play for.
0: Honestly, when if you look at the film of the 49ers team, it starts with Bolsa. Yep. Eric Armstead's a guy that people don't talk enough about. Fred Warner's another guy on that defense that I think that people know what he can bring to the table. Because to the point you were making, the 49ers, they're strong up front. Right. But when you have a guy like Warner, who the D line is good basically taking up bodies and it allows Fred Warner to run free. And that guy's the heart and soul of that defense, in my opinion. And he's a yeah. traditional linebacker. So when you think about the linebacker position of the mm-hmm. pass, Fred Warner is that. Yes. And seeing that we have Roquan on the other side of the field, when I see both of those guys, those guys, to me, are probably two of the more premier linebackers in this league.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Fred Warner is, is the real deal. He is the guy that has to be contained, Perez, throughout that game because
0: he's going to keep coming, bro. And listen, he's going to have his hands full because I know just from the things that I've seen of how we could probably have a chance to beat this team, it's going to have to be committed to the running game early and often, whether it's Montgomery. I think it should be a heavy dose of Montgomery. Khalil Herbert being mixed in there. But in order for us to have that sustained success on offense, we're going to have to run the football, which means if we're running the football and if we're doing it well, then that's keeping pressure on Fred Warner. That's keeping pressure on that front for the Niners. That's keeping that pressure off of Justin Fields. And that's what we want to see.
1: That's gonna be a key right there, Prez. I think a key for me is that, yeah, I think you're right at that part. We're gonna to have to run the football effectively. But against the 49ers, you gotta do both run effectively and throw effectively as well. And I think it's gonna come down to second and third options because I think um when you talk about Ward versus Darnell Mooney, that's gonna be a matchup in itself, and we know how. Mooney Ward is that dude's the real deal. He's a good DB man, and I think if he's matched up against my boy Darnell Mooney, that means second and third option gonna have to be ready to go, man. That means Cole commit, Pringle, you guys gonna have to be ready.
0: Yeah, but you're not gonna have that unless you start it off. With, it all starts with the running game. If you don't yeah. run the football, you don't open it up for those opportunities. Those opportunities are not gonna be there, yeah. and you have a situation like we had last season with Justice running around to save his life last year in that game. Justin Fields had 107 rushing yards, but it's because he had to do that. In this game, I'm hoping it is a little bit more balance. Right, right. If Justin Fields has some design runs, I'm good with that. But I don't want him to have to run just for the sake of running out there. You know what I mean? But I do love the fact that we do have that as a threat in his offense because when you have that dual-threat quarterback in your
1: system, that just adds another dimension to what you can do offensively. And I think that is going to be important right there, man being able to not see my boy just the feels running around the entire game. So you're right. It's going to be a balance with that. And I think, of course, you know, even flus and the team there, you know, Luke Getzey, they kind of get it from that per- perspective that, hey, they're going to have to do it that way.
0: Now, digging into the Niners a little bit more because I don't want to really get too ahead of ourselves by focusing on keys to victory yet. Um, I want to still kind of keep this as some players that I have that I want to kind of keep on the audience radar. So as I mentioned earlier, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Fred Warner on the offensive side of the ball. This is someone that I talk about a shit ton on this team. I mean, I this is someone that I talk about a shit ton because I compare Villas Jones Jr. to him, and that's Debo Samuel.
1: Yeah.
0: This guy does it all for the Niners, whether it's at wide receiver, whether it's at running back. I mean, this guy is always going to be on the radar for any opposing defense, but also now with the news that we found out that George Kittle may not even play on Sunday because he's been dealing with a bit of an injury. So now you're going into this game Sunday with a guy like Debo Samuel, who's already somebody that should be the number one attention-seeking thing. on (laughs) He should be the number one person that you're targeting and paying attention to. But now it became even more of a threat if George Kittle don't play because now they're really going to be fucking targeting Debo Samuel in this
1: game. Look, he had a great game against us last time playing against the Preds, so they want to give us a heavy dose. Of Debo Samuel. So, are you right? Kill not playing, not able to play, if he not able to do so because of the injury, man, I can tell he's going to be part of the, the process for them to try to move the chains.
0: Yeah, speaking of that shit last year, I mean, that was just disgusting the game that he had. I mean, he went for about 170 yards, that screenplay, that <laughs> shit pissed me off. I mean, yep. but dude, that's just who he is. I mean, that's the type of ball player that he is. I mean, don't even get me started third and 19 and he takes that fucking screen pass, 84 yards.
1: <laughs> yeah piss you off friends well me too though but yeah i totally get it
0: yeah but i'm, I'm gonna keep it positive i'm gonna keep it positive i think we're gonna contain him we go. gonna we're gonna contain him but that's somebody that you're gonna definitely have to key in on because he's coming off of a career year a dub and like i said they just as a receiver that man could get the ball in the backfield he had almost yes. well, i think he had like 14 touchdowns last year so that's a guy right there he's a nightmare so he's somebody that I'm paying attention to. Trent Williams, the offensive lineman, the pro bowl, all pro offensive lineman. You got to think about this. Last season, hey dub our pass rush was probably one of the better units because of what Robert Quinn did, obviously having a Khalil Mack at the time. He brought pressure. Now you look at this situation with Trent Williams, who's still playing at an elite level, and he's a veteran in the game. Now, when I'm looking at our Bears pass rushers, I'm like, this is going to be a key matchup because now you got Trent Williams going against Quinn, Trent uh, Williams going against Muhammad Gibson, Dominique Robinson. You know, so it's going to be really key to see how this pass rush looks against this 49ers team because you have a young quarterback in Trey Lance. Now we talked about him a second ago, second year. He didn't really play as much last year. You know, Justin got more playing time than Trey Lance. And when Trey Lance did get in there, it was kind of mixed results. He was still kind of getting acclimated. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing, though. If we can get some pressure on him, and that's why I'm keying on Trent Williams, if for some reason we're able to get some pressure on Trey Lance, then you may be able to make a mistake or two happen because he's a young quarterback. And, hey, listen, the same can be said for Justin as well. Right. If if the 49ers defense is able to get after his ass – it's going to be the same thing. But when you got young quarterbacks, hey, getting that pressure on them, getting them to hurry, you know, I think those are things that you could really take advantage of as a defense. And that's why I'm really hoping that our pass rush is up for
1: the challenge. And hopefully, Robert Quinn can get in that backfield. I will say George Kittle pretty much lit some fire on the trick Williams with that whole thing about his all-pro ranking, right, being number 14. And, and Kittle's pretty much saying they should be number one, number two. And so if Trey Williams is taking that to heart, right, that's going to give us some side of motivation for game one. So I'm just hoping Robert Queen can get past all that motivation there that Trey Williams may have going into the game. No, we'll see. We'll see.
0: But like I said, looking at this matchup, Trey Lance versus Justin Fields, I think this is going to be really exciting. I yep. mean, this is what it all comes down I mean, this is what it all comes down to. I mean, we have two dynamic young quarterbacks that we get to watch week one you can't ask for nothing much more than that, and as I mentioned, both Justin and Trey have similar playing styles. So when you look at this matchup, it's gonna be an, it's gonna be really imp- imperative to see which coordinator or which play caller puts their guy in a better position. Because you know what, Shanahan, this guy's a fucking guru he when is. it comes to X's and O's. I mean, look at what he did with Jimmy G. Jimmy G is such a trash of a quarterback, and he (laughs) was able to put Jimmy G in position to win. So imagine what he's going to be able to do with a Trey Lance, with that guy's fucking toolkit. But then when you look at Luke Getze with Justin Fields, same situation. Who maximizes their Ferrari better?
1: That's going to be the key right there, Chris, who does it better, man. And you hit a good point with Shanahan. I mean, I, I got no beef with that guy. He's done a phenomenal job, in my opinion. But, yeah, it's going to be a good matchup between him and, and Luke Getzy, who gets the better of each other. Like you said, we're putting their players in the best position. And I like so far what Luke has been doing. I take none away from Shanahan. What he has done.
0: Well, I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup for us because we're opening week one as a six-and-a-half-point underdog to the Niners. So I mean, this is a really good ball club. With Shanahan on the other side of the field, You know what he's about. You know what he brings to the table. So getting into a couple of my keys to victory, I think the first thing for us is making sure that we win on first down. Now, this is something that's going to be very important for us, especially going up against the San Francisco 49ers defense. We do not want to be in any sort of third and long scenarios. This is something that you want to make sure with a young quarterback, with Justin Fields, with an offensive line that's still gelling. We want to make sure that, hey, on first down, second down, we're just chipping away, having third and manageable type situations. So if we can have success on early downs, A-Dub, that's going to give us a lot more confidence. It's going to extend drives. And it's going to keep that defense fresh.
1: That is good. there, <laughs> Because I'm hoping for a good start to help us out. We are the punting very well, right? So I think special teams is going to be a big factor for the Bears in this particular game right
0: here. Okay, I get you. Uh, I wanted to go back to the point that I was making about the winning on first down. When you have a situation with a young quarterback, you want to make sure that he's sustaining those drives, saving the drives. Because if the offense can win consistently there, we're going to be in a good spot. If not, it's going to be a long day. And to the point that you were making about special teams, then you're going to be having these scenarios where if you have these fucking third longs, then you're going yeah. to be punting. And Trent <laughs> Gill is going to have a fucking long-ass afternoon if we're not having that success on first and down. So I just want to make sure that we kind of elaborate a little bit more on that. Now, I think another key to victory that I think we need to find some success in is with the two running back sets. Now, the Bears play a lot of 21 personnel. Everyone knows what that is. In case you don't, two running backs, one tight end. The 49ers, they also run a lot of 21 personnel. When a defense sees that, pretty big indicator that the run is coming. What does that do for your defense if you see a team come out of 21? It forces you as a defense to play base, right? That means that the safety is going to have to be in the box, right? Right, You're going to have to have the linebacker near the line of scrimmage. Fine, whatever. You guys get that type of stuff. If you have success in this set, or basically if you have success in this type of personnel grouping, then you could pass from this. So now this creates mismatches. So AW made the point earlier about the second and third options in this offense. Well, guess what? Now you could create a matchup that maybe one of those secondary options can end up on a linebacker or a safety. So if the Bears can successfully pass out of that 21 personnel, then we're gonna be good. If they can't, then we're gonna be in for a long fucking game.
1: <laughs> look, you, hey, look, that's one of my keys. You put it very simple as hell with that. Phrase. <laughs> yeah, I like how you said it, man. Like we can't pass on that, bro. We who's there? In the, I think the second and third option, whole commit Pringle got to be there.
0: My um last key, and something that I think is probably gonna be the biggest thing that's gonna show you how much this offense has grown from the previous season is how much time we allow play action and those low passes to develop. So this is something that obviously we didn't see during preseason because everything was pretty vanilla. You're not going to put a lot of stuff out on tape for opposing teams. But I think here, if Justin Fields, who last season faced so much pressure, if he has that time to throw, and he has time to take some of those deep shots, whether it's to a Mooney, whether it's to a Pringle, whether it's to Vellas Jones, if he plays. I know when the injury report came out, he was on there with the hamstring. So we'll see what happens there. But when I'm looking at things right now with this team, if we can have extra time for that play action to fucking really work and do what it's supposed to do, then you'll have those opportunities to go to Mooney. Because I know everybody wants to see him, but those plays take time to develop. You got to do, do the job up front to allow those things to, to happen. You got to run the football effectively to allow those things to work.
1: Absolutely, press. You got to go, things, man, on the offensive side for it to work. And I think that's going to be the challenge going into this game here because you already hit it on the head, man. You're going to get a strong, a tough defensive line there. So you got to hold up.
0: Because our Bears defense, they're already going to face a challenge with stopping the Niners' offensive attack because, like I said, they got a lot of playmakers on that team. Whether Kittle plays or not, that doesn't matter because they still got other guys. Whether it's, as I mentioned, Debo, whether it's Brandon Ayuk, they have so many weapons there on that offense.
1: Oh, you cannot have enough. I think another guy, man, that you've got to pay a little bit of a test match with as well is probably Elijah Mitchell. I know he's going to be – I know we talk a lot about Debo Samson and what he's able to do. That Elijah Mitchell, man, he, he, he's another beast on that, on that side as well, Perez. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a – Chess match with that too, because you know what Debo can do. We already talked about that.
0: No, yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one right there. But I feel like I like our chances in the running game against an Elijah Mitchell. I think for me, it's going to be a guy like Debo, just making sure that we contain him. Um, Secondary, because you have that you have that threat of Trey Lance being able to use his legs. Trey Lance being dynamic with the football. Trey Lance has a fucking gun, so those are the things that I'm kind of looking at. I really like what our defense may be able to do up front with neutralizing Elijah Mitchell in the running game, but I think it's a good call-out of someone that we probably do need to key in on. But like I said, with Eberflus being a defensive-minded coach,
1: yeah, with Roquan
0: Smith anchoring our defense, I'm, I'm confident. I, I really am. I just think that for me personally, when I look at this matchup, Debo Samuel is the guy that we have to make sure that we're keeping our attention on. And I hope that Jalen Johnson...
1: Is able to shadow him,
0: because I know we didn't do a lot of that last year. But I would not mind seeing Jalen shadowing Debo.
1: What about Kyler Gordon?
0: No, I want Jalen on. I want Jalen on him. Now, not that I don't have any any faith in Kyler, but Kyler's gonna he's gonna line up in the nickel a lot. You know what I mean? And so, you know that that might be a situation too where you may see some of those matchups with him on Debo. So we'll see. We'll see if the rookie's ready to go. But for me personally, I want my top guy on the top guy.
1: That's just there the way it goes. That physicality there, for' looking forward to seeing how that play out. That's going to be a nice matchup right there. Tebow, Jalen Johnson. Should be a good one.
0: I'm also glad that Jaquan Brisker has been back to practice. He's lining up to start here week one. Audience, don't need to retrace anything that we've already said here on this show. But Jaquan Brisker is a guy that we need in that defensive secondary. He is a guy that I'm really looking forward to watching on Sunday and seeing the havoc that he wreaks on that San Francisco 49ers offense. Because in my eye, I got a little prediction. I say the Jaquan Brisker forces two turnovers in the game on Sunday.
1: Woo! Wow, that's a hot take on that one there, Perez. But it's as definitely as possible.
0: Very possible. Listen, hey, you heard it here first, man. I, I, just, I really like what that kid brings to the table. Uh, and I think just going against a young quarterback, I feel like if we could get some pressure on Trey Lance, he may throw the ball up. He may make a couple miscues. And so I think for us, that's our saving grace in this matchup, Potentially having a young quarterback playing on the road in a hostile environment because I know that our Soldier Field crowd is going to be going crazy. I know, I listen, your boy Prez, I'm talking to y'all right now. I know any of y'all that's going to that game, y'all going to be going crazy out there on third down. Let's make sure we rattle this young quarterback now. End of the day here, I think if you focus in on Debo Samuel. Yep. If you put pressure on Trey Lance, if you protect Justin Fields, if you allow Justin Fields time to take some deep shots or let some of those passing plays down the field develop, then I think you're in a good spot. If we run the ball early and often, yeah. If we execute on first and second down when we have short thirds, I think we're in a good spot here in this ball game. You know, I know on paper everybody's going to look at this game and they're going to say, "Well, dude." The 49ers got one of the more talented rosters in the league. And then some people, national media are going to tell you that the Bears have probably one of the worst offenses right. the, or one of the worst rosters in the league. So, like I said, on paper, everybody's looking at this matchup and they're like, the 49ers, they're going to win this game. Me, when I look at this thing, I'm like, hey, we don't know what's going to happen in this ball game. I know in the in the, in the preseason, I predicted that the Bears will lose this ballgame, but I thought it, it was going to be a lot more. I thought it was going to be a, a wider margin of, of, of defeat than what I feel like today. Because right now, when I look at this matchup, I think that the Bears still lose week one, but I think it's going to be a closer game. I think you're, I'm looking at a 24 to 20 Bears loss. And for me, I think that that's progress for this young team, That a team that a lot of people don't have a lot of hopes for outside of Chicago. I know that this San Francisco 49ers team, like I said, on paper, yeah. looks pretty impressive and imposing. They got a great play caller, right? Great defense, great weapons on offense. But when I look at Justin Fields and that potential of what I think he could do in this offense, he's the neutralizer. And that 49ers secondary, to me, that's where we're going to be able to make some plays against.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And so that's why I'm kind of looking at everything and I'm like, hey, the Bears have a shot in this game. They do. And that's why when I talked about certain areas that I had of key, in the, when I talked about certain keys that I had to victory up, if the Bears are successful in those areas, they could pull off the upset. But for right now, my prediction is Bears lose 24 to 20 on Sunday.
1: I predict the Bears will lose 20 to 17, but I want to piggyback on something you said that I thought was very interesting to where the Bears probably could possibly pull out a victory, right? when you talked about, you know, first and second down and third down and moving the chain. I think if they can do that press continue to move the chain. That does help because if you see just the fields on the sideline too much prezz, you're like, dang, you know, that that's that's not a good look. So, the more he's on the field, Chris, the more comfortable he becomes, the better he becomes throughout the game, per se. So, I just hope that we can continue moving the chain, man. And therefore, we can hopefully come out surprised. Why'd you have us lose the game, 2017?
0: Yeah. I mean, and to the point that you were making, yeah, you don't, you know, I don't want to see Justin stay on the sideline because if he's standing on the sideline, that means our defense is on the field. Right. Our defense is on the field for a number of plays, they're going to tire out. So, for me personally, I want us to be milking that clock down, (laughs) running the football, running that football, being physical with this team. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not into the moral victories, so you're not going to hear me patting our team on the back if we lose in a close fashion. But what I'm saying is is that I think this game could be a lot closer than what a lot of people originally predicted.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, audience, as always, we appreciate your continued support of this platform. And for helping make us a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast, we got the winner circle on the way. It's back. So even if you don't bet on sports, if you don't bet on the NFL, share it with a friend of yours. You know, listen, you know somebody in your circle that bets on the NFL. Right. So we got the winner's circle coming back. Your boy Prez was hitting on 70% of those picks last season. We got some nice shit on deck for y'all. So tune in.
1: I am looking forward to winner circle, baby. Bring it on. Yes, sir. Let's get this
0: money. Honest, we're going to talk to y'all on Sunday, and we are out.